Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, today uh, we have a special guest with us. This is Jack Connor with Cosmic Road. It's a YouTube channel called Cosmic Road, and uh, it's something I, I I've been watching a lot lately. I really enjoy it. He has uh, Jack has a lot of uh, ideas and and commentary. He offers a lot of ideas and commentary. What's going on with this ongoing cover up and the actions of Congress and uh, these committees with regard to the UAP issue. And he had, had a lot of things to say after when Wednesday's Senate committee hearing, uh, where Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, uh, talked about, uh, UAP and basically, uh, for the most part dismissed it. And, uh, according to Jack, he lied. I, I, I've come to that conclusion too. At first I didn't reach that conclusion. I actually gave him the benefit of the doubt of after that hearing was ended. Uh, I, I thought maybe there was a possibility that he's just not given all the information or, or that he lied one or the other. But after uh, listening to Jack and also, you know, thinking about the situation, I think he actually lied and he knew uh, what he was talking. He, he knew that he was lying. I mean, I think we're, we're continuing to be getting lied to. And I wanted to bring Jack on here to, to, to give his ideas on what's happening and, and his uh, perspective on uh, this this hearing and what what does it mean? So what, what do you think, Jack? I mean, you said that uh, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick lied. I mean, how do you how do you feel we, we are heading right now with this whole situation? I mean, it seemed like for a while early on from 2017 into 2021, 2022, it seemed like we were part of a slow disclosure. I'm not seeing that right now. I don't know. How do you feel about this? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Lou Elizondo was not happy with how things were with ATIP. He couldn't even brief uh, Mad Dog. Uh, he, you know, it seemed like, um, the, the mech, uh, you know, government wasn't being cooperative with the investigation into UAP or UFOs. Uh, and, uh, they didn't seem like it was a, you know, as, as genuine an effort as he would have liked it to have been. So he had to leave government, uh, and smuggle these videos out in a very sneaky way, a legal way, but a sneaky way, uh, with his allies and Chris Mellon and TTSA. And, you know, really kickstarted this whole thing, got this grassroots movement going, engaged the public, uh, you know, got all the, the, the three videos on all the major news networks, uh, you know, got the New York Times, uh, you know, just a really, uh, you know, galvanizing moment in, in UFO history. Got, got me on board. I wasn't a UFO guy before 2017. I, I didn't believe in any of this. I figured aliens were out there somewhere, but they weren't here. If they were here, they should be on the White House lawn, right? <laughs> uh, so, so he went through all this process, finally got the, the public engaged, the public got Congress engaged, everything all leading up to the creation of arrow. And then we have the lovely Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, uh, you know, who is of the same ilk as the people that have been hiding and obfuscating this issue for the government forever, uh, leading arrow. So, you know, that's not why Lou left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lou, Lou didn't kickstart this whole thing uh, uh, for Sean Kirkpatrick to be leading the charge. And why do I say Sean Kirkpatrick is a liar? Well, according to Dr. Gary Nolan, nobody knows more about UFOs than Sean Kirkpatrick. Uh, he has been in this for a while. He is very knowledgeable. Uh, and according to Brandon Fugel, the uh, owner of Skinwalker Ranch, when he was meeting with some government types, um, and uh, he was told by one of these government types not even to bother uh, trying to sell them on the idea of UFOs because they already knew of it. They already knew of the reality of UFOs. Uh, they, they, they knew kind of what was going on. 
and um, not even to waste their time uh, trying to you know show them all the UFO evidence because they already knew it. And that individual was Sean Kirkpatrick. Uh, so um, uh, so according to those two pieces of inf information from fairly knowledgeable sources, uh, we know that Sean Kirkpatrick knows about UFOs. Uh, he has been in this for a while, and he is already aware of the reality of the UFO phenomenon and of the uh, you know anomalous nature of the UFO phenomenon. And yet when he went before Congress, and also of course, Arrow inherited uh, the five observables from ATIP, right? Which were all measures of anomalous uh, objects, right? You know, this is how you could tell an object was anomalous if it displayed one of the five observables, like instant acceleration, et cetera. Uh, so uh, they inherited these five observables, which are all measures of defying the known laws of physics and moving in ways that we don't understand. And then Kirkpatrick gets up there and says, oh, anomalous objects, what are you talking about? None of these things defy the, the known laws of physics. Uh, totally throwing out the five observables uh, and uh, which, you know, that we know they have. And of course, we also know that behind uh, the scenes that they have received testimony from people like Robert Solis, who, you know, and others who have seen uh, some crazy stuff where they've seen UFOs turning off nuclear silos. Um, we know they have the goods uh, as far as, as that goes, as far as, you know, as, you know, it's early days for Arrow yet, but we know they have a lot of information that they've either inherited from ATIP or else have gathered since then. And, uh, and yet he goes on the stand and lies brazenly. And, and that's what he has done until now. The UAP report that came out a few months ago that he released uh, was nothing but lies. Uh, he said, you know, there's, uh, there's only three items on the UAP report. Uh, one was that there were no health effects and we obviously there are health effects from UFO UAP activity, you know, good mm -hmm. and bad. I mean, the beings have healed people, but people also have gotten radiation sicknesses and immuno problems. And obviously, once you get into the, the abductions and the uh, unwanted uh, pregnancies uh, that result from some of these. Uh, the, the, so there's a, just a wide range of health effects. So that was a lie. Uh, the other item was there were no collisions. There were, you know, a risk to airborne traffic. And, you know, I encourage you to go watch Preston Dennett's video, that, which came out before the report. It wasn't a rebuttal to the report, uh, which is an important point. But uh, it would have been fun if it had been a rebuttal to the report. But uh, it's, a, it's a list of uh, all these cases where UFOs have collided with human vehicles, planes, trains, and automobiles. Believe it or not, you have I saw that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that item was a lie, and uh, so the only other item on the UAP report was the numbers of cases. Uh, you know, how many have been solved versus how many have been unsolved, and we know from George Knapp that Sean Kirkpatrick fudged those numbers so that it appeared there were more explained cases than unexplained cases. So those were the three items on the UAP report. Every single item was a lie. And then he goes and co-authors the scientific paper with Avi Loeb. And I love Avi. I'm so glad that he's in the game. Uh, but he is approaching everything from a mainstream scientific point of view. And, um, you know, that, that's what that's the position of the paper that he wrote with Sean Kirkpatrick. 
And, um, you know, we, we have to, according to that paper, view the lens, view the UFO phenomenon through the lens of conventional physics. And, you know, again, the five observables, right? You know, yeah. we can't really understand these things. Um, uh, and it even said something like to the effect, if, 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 if it's unexplainable, it's not there. It's not, it doesn't exist. Uh, so, um, it seemed to me that Sean Kirkpatrick was using Avi Loeb's respectability to slow down the study of UFOs and retard the investigation of UFOs and understanding of UFOs. Um, because, you know, again, we're, we're not going to get anywhere uh, approaching it from what we understand. Uh, and um, yeah. So anyway, so those are the, those are the two things that Sean did before uh, the hearing that were publicly known and then the hearing comes along and uh, he just continues that 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 series of lies and that's clearly what he is in place to do just like Bray and Moultrie before him in a long line of government people blue book grudge Conan report you know all 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 those were designed to debunk the UFO phenomenon while secretly investigating it and, and, and doing whatever the government is actually doing, the control group, whatever they're doing behind the scenes. Um, and then they, you know, allow the public to see the government investigating uh, UFOs and then to debunk them. And so that's, so Sean knows all about this. Uh, and he is, uh, he, that is what his job is to do is a disinformation agent. And, and I guess what well, I guess one of the other concerning things out of that hearing was the fact that the the senators didn't seem disinterested and were more focused on Chinese spy balloons. I mean, it didn't seem like there was any sort of <laughs> there was no questions from them. I don't think any of them mentioned the word alien once. Right. Uh, I, is something going on with Congress now? It seemed like there was an interest at some point, and now it seems like it's. I don't know, uh, going away. I, I, I mean, it's, is there something? It seems to me, what, what I'm seeing, it, it seems to me is that they're pulling the rug out from this slow disclosure. They brought it up to a certain point, but they don't seem like they're willing to go beyond that point. And now, they're, in fact, they're trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube. I don't know if I'm right about that, or, or that, but that's what I observe. I don't know. That's what it seems like to me after watching this for, for since it started. Yeah, I was really rooting for Kirsten Gillibrand to emerge as a hero in all this, or a heroine in all this. Uh, she seemed really gung-ho pushing the UFO thing um, and demanding funding for Arrow and all that kind of stuff. And uh, um, and then she gives him softball questions when when, when, the, when the time comes. Uh, she didn't ask him any questions about, you know, interviews they've had, uh, you know, Robert Solis, all that kind of stuff. You know, stuff that we know that Arrow has done that is really interesting and that information should come out there. And that sort of information would further the conversation. Uh, instead of furthering the conversation, uh, Sean did a backpedal. And he pretended that things that we know that exist and that the government has studied and, you know, models they've developed, like the five observables, that they don't exist. So, I mean, it wasn't like he was just, you know, stationary. Uh, you, know, you know, we haven't made any progress. You know, it was like, Oh, not only have we not made any progress, but these other things don't exist. Uh, so, and, and uh, Senator Ernst seemed more like she wanted to pin everything on the Russian or the Chinese. Um, and she even laughed at Sean's joke when he said, you know, we are trying, trying to turn anomalous objects into other people's problems. 
And he said that three times at least. And uh, she yeah. laughed at one of those times. So, um, and, and then Senator uh, Kirsten Gillibrand did not push him at all. Uh, really, really disappointed. So why are they doing that? Well, we don't know exactly, but we do know that they have a, a history of doing this. Harry Reid uh, tried to get access to the reverse engineering, the UFO crash retrieval stuff, just as Admiral Tom Wilson did, uh, you know, the director of national intelligence. And uh, both of them very high ranking people uh, in, in their own spheres, one in the political, one in the, the Pentagon or the, you know, the government. And um, they were both able to see that there was a crash retrieval program and they both wanted access and information about it and both were denied. They were, they were both told a little bit like Tom Wilson, uh, you know, from the famous, you know, uh, Wilson leak, uh, the, you know, right. uh, he was told that there was a crash retrieval program and that they did have ships, but they didn't have any bodies. There were no alien abductions. And that was the end of the story. Go home. And when he pushed, they threatened his career. And uh, apparently the control group has enough juice to threaten the, the director of national intelligence uh, successfully. And so he backed off. And uh, Harry Reid also did something similar. He pressed uh, for access and they made him back off. So that's an example of them making uh, pol politicians, high ranking politicians back off uh, Congress people. And so it's, I guess shouldn't be a surprise that they made Kirsten Gillibrand back off if that's what happened. Uh, we know from Representative, or excuse me, uh, yeah, uh, Representative, yeah, Senator uh, uh, Gillibrand and Representative Burchett, uh, Tim Burchett, that he uh, said that certain members of Congress on both sides of the aisle that had been uh, vocal advocates of the UFO issue were compromised. He, he didn't give any information about what he meant by that. Uh, but he seemed to be impugning Marco Rubio and Kirsten Gillibrand um, because those were the, the leading voices on both sides of the aisle. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I, I imagine they ran into the same sorts of things that Harry Reid did and they were made to back off in the same sorts of ways. But that's well, I, I, I look at it too. Like, I mean, you look at the, way politicians are basically i mean a lot of them receive funding from uh, campaign donations from uh, the military industrial complex i mean you can go online there's you know i think it's 30 40 million dollars like every campaign season and you know maybe they're told hey if you want to keep pushing this maybe we'll just not give you any more campaign money and that's one of the theories i guess or i mean who knows i i guess it's just a shame it just seems like we're, it seemed like things were going on well here, and then all of a sudden, it seems like again it's getting worse and worse. As far as my my viewpoint uh, is concerned, and you know, there are some people who who watch my channel. Some some people get upset about uh, the the way I'm looking at this negatively right now, but I don't see how any way, uh, other way to look at it. I mean, it's just it's the truth. I mean, the truth is is that it doesn't seem like we're getting disclosure, despite all these people who I really respect, like Christopher Mellon, Lou Elizondo. Uh, you know, there's. All these different people out there who were saying that you know who, who seem to be saying that disclosure is coming and we're going to get to a point and finally it's going to happen but now it doesn't it doesn't feel that way it feels like it, we're going backward and i as i don't know if i'm wrong to say that but that's how i see it i don't know what do you how do you see that no no like i just said sean kirkpatrick is backpedaling backpedaling uh, we, yeah. we, we were making forward progress and we had some information coming out of atip 
which seemed to be an honest effort to investigate uh, the phenomenon with what little resources they had. Um, I don't even think they had a budget at all. I mean, all the money was for OSAP that came earlier. And, um, but, uh, but yeah, so with what little resources they had, ATIP was pursuing an honest investigation and, uh, you know, they developed the five observables and they had all those reports they, they had commissioned, or maybe that was OSAP, uh, but they had inherited that. And, um, then along comes the UAP task force and they hired Dr. Travis Taylor to be their chief scientist, right? And, you know, Skinwalker Ranch fame. And then, you know, we have the, the flying pyramids, the green flying pyramid video that came out that was uh, released by Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp. Uh, presumably that was leaked to them or given to them by Chris Mellon. That seems to be one of his main sources, uh, Jeremy. And uh, so a, a truly anomalous object, a big pyramid flying over a warship, right? And Travis Taylor reaches the conclusion, this is anomalous. This is the chief scientist for Bray and Moultrie, the, 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 the heads of the UAP task force after Jay Stratton leaves. I, I wish he had stayed, but he did not. Uh, and uh, so that is who would have made the determination what sort of object this was as their chief scientist when it came time for Bray and Moultrie to report to Congress and for the first UAP hearing in modern history instead of going with the data that their chief scientist had given them somebody else came along and told them to say something different and when they were asked about the the flying pyramid they said oh it's a bouquet effect yeah. Uh, you know, it's a lens effect. It's an artifact. It's not, it's not a real object. And despite, you know, multiple sensors uh, having seen this, uh, witnesses having seen it, uh, you know, um, you know, we, we have a lot of information and data on the, on these objects. And um, uh, so they were clearly lying and they were backpedaling. And uh, so that began the backpedal was that first UFO hearing. Uh, clearly the fix was in from that moment on. And then some people had hoped that Sean Kirkpatrick would be of a different ilk. I didn't. I, I, I knew that he was going to be an ally of Bray and Moultrie and was going to continue that. Um, and, and, and he has. So, so the fix is in. The, the powers that be, the control group, whoever it is, whoever is, is doing this, suppressing this information, is, uh, is, is running the show, which is not what Lou and Chris and Tom and Jim and all those guys I had in mind when they kickstarted this whole thing. Um, well, regarding, regarding the control group, that's something we both talk about a lot, the, the secret control group uh, behind the scenes. Again, I, I feel like even with Arrow, I mean, to me, it's almost it's like a front almost. I mean, it's, we're not getting to the heart of things with something like Arrow or any of that stuff. To me, it's like, it's like we're playing this dumb game where behind the scenes, there's all these decades, there's a secret control group that has to be, you know, had to be studying this for who knows, since the 1950s, or late 40s, or uh, there, there's something in place. I mean, going based on the, the Wilson Davis, memo like we were just talking about before i mean obviously and and, and other things other such as that where, where it, there's a lot of evidence that points to this secret control group whatever it's called i don't know majestic 12 some people say but who knows uh, but there's something in the background that's who we really should be 
should be meeting with in, with Congress in these committees. Not it seems like we're starting from scratch when really in, in in the background there's already evidence compiled and there's data that could be presented and and proof. I think I would imagine that there's alien bodies on ice and 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 there are recovered craft. I mean it's, that's how I see it. I mean, but. I guess we're playing. We they wanted to try to do it this way. Uh, that that's where the effort began. Let's let's uh, let's try to get Congress interested. We'll have them start a UFO office, and maybe we'll try to finally pry out the truth that way. But it doesn't seem like it's working because again, the secret control group is in the background pulling the strings. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. The, the control group is pulling the strings. And I mean, I think it goes really deep. I think it's very vast. I think it's, you know, working with cosmic forces. Uh, you know, there was the uh, Lockheed uh, Skunk Works uh, engineer who worked on the SR-71 Blackbird in the early 60s. And he had fellow uh, engineers, uh, buddies of his, that would tell him stories uh, about how they were in their own projects, uh, not working on a Blackbird, but they were doing their own thing. And remember, Skunk Works helped build Area 51. And they've been in, in this game for forever. Uh, he said that they were working with beings uh, to develop uh, training devices uh, for uh, U.S. military personnel to fly UFOs or UFO-like objects. And maybe the ARVs from, you know, Martin Plantish, whatever. Uh, John Keel was talking about human-flown uh, vehicles, uh, uh, you know, UFOs in the 1960s. So this would match that timeline very well, right? And uh, we know that they have been uh, retrieving craft since at least 1945. That was the Trinity crash. That was also the year we acquired the Mussolini UFO. Uh, I think that was down to 1933 or, or, or crashed or whatever, 1933, and went into the hands of Mussolini and Marconi. Uh, and Marconi is an interesting figure in all this too. And um, anyway, so uh, so they've been in the game since at least then. And that's why the uh, initial, I, I don't know if the dates are for Arrow. Uh, they were supposed to look at historical cases going back to 1945. Uh, yeah. I, 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 and then that's why that was in place. I, I forget if that was the final date because uh, they, they, they changed that a few times. Um, but yeah, but that's why 1945 was the date on that. Um, um, so yeah, the men in black were in place at Roswell. They were going around town, hushing people up. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this has been going on since before Roswell. I don't know if it's been going on since before Trinity. Um, there's but, a Cape Girardeau, uh, Missouri incident from 1942. Too, I believe there was an incident where something, I mean, an alleged crash. Uh, there's been a book about that, uh, but who knows? I mean, I think the lying started actually to the public started in July of 1947 with the with that you know when the press release came out saying it was a flying disc, and then no 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 it's just a balloon. That's when the lying to the public be began. As far as other crashes before, like the 1945 Trinity one. Yeah, by the way, that was set up, I think, to start from January 1st, 1945 forward. But again, is there any documentation that Arrow's going to be able to get their hands on? That There's no way that the secret control group is just going, oh, yeah, here you go. I mean, that's right. not going to happen. Right. No, 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 it's not. It's not, it's not going to happen. They've been covering up this uh, for a long time, and uh, there's a wealth of evidence. Uh, you, you know, Ross Coulthard has said that they're – 
Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is or was a virtual parking lot of UFOs uh, from all the, the, the crash retrievals they've done. And it apparently is a multinational effort. The U.S. seems to be leading uh, the effort uh, for the crash retrievals. Uh, but yeah, this has been going on for a long time, potentially before 1945. Um, and um, uh, it seems like it's a very deep program. It's a very large program. Richard Dolan calls it the breakaway civilization. I used to think that was a little bit too fancy. I didn't like saying the breakaway civilization. I would call it the breakaway group. Uh, but the more I looked into it, the, the, the more I became convinced that it was as big as, as a civilization might imply. Uh, when you look at, you know, the dumbs, you know, stuff, the deep underground military bases, um, and uh, there's scant evidence for that, but the evidence that does exist is compelling and the, the scantiness of the evidence itself and the things that have happened to people that have looked into it uh, is, is, is telling all by itself. Um, so I don't, I'm not hundred percent sold on the dumbs. I'm not hundred percent sold on the secret space fleet. Um, uh, but I, I, I do believe we're probably working with the beings. The control group is working with the beings. That's just me. Uh, but I think the evidence bears that out. Uh, cases like Terry Loveless that I talk about a lot. Uh, I love that case because it was, you know, Lou Elizondo calls him credible. And in fact, he just hung out, uh, with Terry Loveless a few weeks ago. And uh, so he's has an ongoing relationship with Terry. He, he thinks he's a good guy, a solid guy. And Terry says that when he was abducted uh, aboard this giant UFO uh, that was much bigger on the inside than it was on the outside. And it was already pretty big on the outside, like the size of a Walmart on the outside. And inside it was the size of a giant stadium. And um, so, you know, uh, what are you going to do with that, Sean Kirkpatrick? That, that doesn't defy the known laws of physics, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, but he says that there were upwards of 50 uh, U.S. Uh, Air Force officers. Uh, I don't know if they were officers, but U.S. military personnel that were um, aboard the UFO, interacting with the beings there. And they weren't just guests. They weren't just passengers. They weren't just being taken to, you know, the Galactic Federation headquarters or whatever. Uh, they were actually pushing buttons and, and, and you know, helping run the, the craft. They were actually crew members of this giant UFO. And again, this is somebody that Lou Elizondo says is credible. And there are many other cases like that where people have seen uh, the military and government officials working with the beings. Many abduction cases uh, uh, people will see the beings working alongside military and, and, and government officials. Uh, and to such an extent that people like Stephen Greer seize upon that and say, oh, well, it's all the military. You know, the beings have never done any harm. The beings are purely good and will never harm anybody. Well, you know, there, there's good beings and bad beings from, from my research. And, you know, the, the, the general thrust seems to be positive, but there are many negative experiences that people have. And um, anyway, but so the, the military and the government seem like they are working with the beings at, at a very high level. I mean, these 50 Air Force guys were crew members. I mean, they weren't just along for the ride. Um, so the control group 
has a lot to cover up and they've been covering this up for a long time. They, they should have, they it should never have happened. The secrecy should never have happened. Uh, they should have, you know, when the first crash came along, they should have been up front with the people and said, Hey, we've got a crash. Oh, well, now we're dealing with some beings. Uh, and, uh, you know, and gotten the public's involvement in that. And this is a huge thing uh, for the fate of humanity. Uh, the government, the, the, the people should be involved in the decision-making process. But somewhere along the way, it was decided that we didn't have the right to decide or to have any say in this. And now we have the control group probably working with the beings. That's what I believe that the evidence shows anyway. And, you know, I, I totally understand if you think that's crazy. And, you know, if no, you, I don't. If you haven't got, you know, but then you have many cases where we have seemed like we have been shooting at UFOs. There's, there's a whole bunch of cases from pretty credible uh, people uh, that have uh, seen within America and outside of America. There's the, the famous Italy case where the UFO shot down a helicopter with a laser. It didn't hurt anybody, but it shot this helicopter down after the, the UFOs were setting fires in Italy. Anyway, weird, weird story. I don't understand that what the heck was going on there but uh but it but it shows that there is a uh, uh, violent interactions uh with ufos at the same time we seem to be working with occupants of ufos so without the people's consent uh the some faction within the government or outside of the government uh has been working with some beings and shooting at other beings and we can only hope they pick the right side um, so, I mean, th this is important stuff and the government should be involved in this. The secrecy should never have been allowed to exist. Uh, I don't care if it would have freaked people out back in the forties the or fifties, they were reading all sorts of sci-fi uh, sci stuff. There were sci-fi movies, uh, seemed like they may have been, you know, being prepared for something. Um, and I think they were ready at that time. It would have freaked them out. Sure. But they would have gotten over it and they would have thought it was cool. Uh, a lot of them. And uh, so, um, yeah, so the secrecy never should have happened. And now they are in so deep uh, and they have so much to cover up decades and decades of this stuff. And they're, they're, you know, working with the phenomenon has probably evolved over the years and they probably didn't start with 50 military guys aboard a giant UFO. Uh, so, um, you know, so they have even more to cover up now. So how can they ever be honest with the people? Speaking uh, of that, speaking of the, the military guys, I mean, one of the theories that, I mean, some of the things that I've read, books like by uh, uh, David M. Jacobs, for instance, where uh, abductees seem to come, uh, you know, or sometimes these uh, hybrids are basically dressed in military attire, for, you know, to camouflage fatigues, things like that. I mean, you have to wonder. I mean, there's, I mean, this is the problem. We don't really know what the, exactly is going on here. But maybe like in that sh in that case with uh, Terry that you were talking about, when he's inside that ship and there's like 50 people, it apparently military personnel pushing buttons and working in there uh, alongside the aliens. Are they perhaps maybe are they perhaps uh, hybrid? That, that, or maybe somehow a hybrid group has infiltrated this secret control group, and that's really what's pulling the strings behind the scenes, that the aliens themselves are actually the ones in charge right now, and that's why we can't get any answers, because they have control. They they, they have the ability to control human beings uh, mentally. I mean, I, I've, I've experienced one of these beings when I was a kid, and uh, it basically shut down everyone in the in my family, and basically ended up uh, uh, then finally just not conking me out somehow, but 
So I, I, I understand how the, the ability that they have. So I don't know. I mean, that's just one of the, I know it's, that sounds crazy. This theory that perhaps the aliens have infiltrated the government somehow, the, the most secretive, deepest sections of the government that, that, that is in charge of studying UFOs. And they're the ones responsible for keeping this thing secret. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, well, now I'm fascinated by your own story. I want to hear more about that. That sounds really, really intriguing. Uh, have you made some videos about that? I need to. Check oh that yeah, out. I've talked. That's like one. I talk about that all the time. I, and I saw, and, and that was in 1977. And then in 1994, during a fishing trip with a buddy, I saw a flying saucer up close and personal. You know, right? I mean, basically. Uh, within 20 feet and it was only two and a half stories off the ground it made no sound it moved in ways that you know conventional aircraft can't move so i saw that and when i was a kid i wake up in the middle of the night and there's some being standing right beside my bed that only had three fingers on its hand uh and it, there was an electronic humming sound going on and after that happened and then I, I i you know i was screaming for my mom and dad i mean it's a longer story than that but uh you know, I'm screaming for my mom and dad. I'm trying to wake my brother up. Nothing's happening. Uh, I have a blanket over my head, and I can see the shadow of this hand getting closer to where my face is and further away. And the meanwhile, there's this buzzing, hmm, this, this sound going on. And uh, it's somewhat muffling my voice. And I'm praying to God, you know, and nothing's happening. The thing's not going away. And then eventually, somehow, I just passed out, right, and wake up the next day, and nobody believed me. But at the time, I didn't know of – I didn't really – I didn't realize that there was such thing as aliens or alien abduction or anything like that. In fact, it wasn't until about 10 years later watching a documentary on, you know, alien abduction where I, where I put two and two together. I used to think it was the devil or something. I had no idea what it was. I mean, I guess, you know, you said you didn't. I mean, that's when my interest in UFOs and aliens started. I guess you said your interest started when uh, those uh, videos were leaked and Lou Elizondo came out of the shadows in 2017. There's always a, a point where somebody finally realizes things. And I, you know, similar, I guess, in your case, you, you saw that. And I was like, wow. Yeah. You well, I, I feel so bad about it now because my uncle was always into UFOs and he would try to get me into it. And I was like, Oh, that's silly. You know, if there, if there's aliens here, then why, why aren't people seeing aliens? Well, people were seeing aliens. I just wasn't looking at the evidence. And uh, once you look at the evidence, it's irrefutable. Uh, once you get e once you look at enough of it, right? Um, uh, and I just I I didn't allow myself to look at it. I I thought it was silly. Um, you know, I figured aliens were up there somewhere, but yeah, they're 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 not here. And I was a I am a fantasy and science fiction writer, a novelist, and I I thought I needed to bring the fantastic into the world because the world wasn't fantastic enough. Uh, and after I realized the truth of this, I kind of had to go through a process of re-engaging my, uh, connecting to my writing again, because suddenly the world was very fantastic. And, uh, so, um, anyway, I, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, it was 2017. That was where I, I started my interest. And then because I don't have a day job because writing is my day job, uh, I have, and I have a, an obsessive personality. I, I had plenty of time all the time to, uh, you know, look into every rabbit hole, go down one rabbit hole after another and, and, and just obsessively study every facet that I could find. And one, one, one rabbit hole will go to another and so on. And anyway, yeah. Well, well, Absorb as much as it possibly could after you start realizing that, Oh, there's something to this. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of us, I mean, I get to the same thing where I, you know, I'll read, I'll just keep reading one book after another, after another, 
watching every i'll sit there and watch preston dennett videos for like you know two days straight and i'll just binge watch you know a lot of these different people who, who are online richard dolan I'll, I'll watch a lot of his stuff love I, I love his books you know preston dennett has all his 50 books actually uh and there's just so many good researchers out there timothy good uh the the the, the roswell stuff by donald schmidt and thomas carey i can't get enough of that kind of thing uh, and I think that's where a lot of people really should people who are interested in this in this thing should really check out the books because the books always have more way more information than you're ever going to ascertain ascertain from uh, watching YouTube videos or and there's just so much stuff that might get missed in in the in the shuffling if but when you read these books there's it's 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 there you you see everything and it's it's fascinating. Okay, we are going to take a quick break from our interview with Jack Connor and we will be right back. I wanted to talk also talk about right now in your you 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 are in Texas, yeah. You're, you're situated in Texas, and right now, um, you you've been you're right in the heart of this uh, latest. I just talked about it, and I saw that you talked about it then about these these uh, cattle mutilations that are ongoing there, and you're going to be looking into this. You were talking about in your recent uh, YouTube video. Yeah, I'm the uh, the, the co-founder of a, of a local MUFON chapter. It's the the Brazos Valley MUFON chapter. And uh, these uh, mutilations happened in the Brazos Valley, actually uh, in the neighborhood, the neighboring counties um, within the valley, but, you know, very close to where I am and just the county next door and um, or the counties. I think it was a multiple counties. And, you know, we, we actually talked about we had a MUFON meeting on Saturday and we, we spent most of the meeting talking about this. Uh, we have now two field investigators that are looking into this. Uh, the sheriffs haven't been real cooperative. We're trying to get information from the police department and they haven't really been ponying up very well. So we may have to go through the reporters uh, to see if they've gotten any, any details because we would really like to talk to the ranchers, but we don't know which ranches, uh, you know, that wasn't disclosed. And, uh, but we have one guy that is very familiar with the cattleman uh, industry and uh, and so he may be able to get some get some access um, and to find out some of the gossip that's going around the cattleman community locally, and maybe we can get some make some headway that way. And uh, there's been uh, talk about maybe asking Linda Moulton Howe if she wants to be involved in this. And um, I would I would it would be so cool to get Linda Moulton Howe involved. Oh man, yeah. Uh, I love her, and uh, of course, she made her bones on on you know cattle mutilations, no pun intended. And uh, uh, but I I I I think the cattle mutilation phenomenon is fascinating. I've seen so many different theories about why they do this, and occasionally even experiencers will get some glimmer of understanding. Uh, that unfortunately they don't always understand the same thing, as you know, which is typical for interacting with the beings they'll they'll tell you stuff uh can you rely on it i don't know because they'll tell somebody else something different um you know if, uh, it'd be life would be so much easier if you could trust what the beings say or trust what the government says but you can't yeah you can't well regarding the cattle mutilations i believe that that's i mean it seems like these aliens over the decades now they just can't resist our cattle i mean i think if we're i mean one way to get to the bottom of this actually would be to uh 
stake out one of these ran ranches. I mean, if you had a had a, a, a scientific group, you know, a, a, you know, converge on one of these places and set up shop for a while, maybe we can get to the bottom of this that way. I mean, of course, a private scientific organization, nothing connected with the government because the government will never share any information about this with the public. Well, well uh, Skinwalker Ranch did that. Uh, they did. And uh, so they had a cattle mutilation and they had cameras all over the place and they were able to see there was a UFO right over the cow right before it was killed. Right. Um, and uh, then, you know, they were able to, they had a Geiger counter. They had some other equipment they took out to the, the, the carcass. And uh, I forget, I think there was a little radiation, but it wasn't like a massive amount. And if I'm remembering that right, if you, if you guys remember better, let me know. And then the carcass remained untouched by predators for a long time, uh, which is typical for these mutilate, these anomalous mutilations as well. Um, so there, there was one example of a that it's one. Thing. I mean, we need more though. We need we more need than just that. More. We need, we, we need, need to see more. beings on this on site. I mean, I think there, there has to be a way to get to the, I mean, they can't resist or they've been doing it. It's not stopped. It continues. I mean, it's just the Texas one is just, there, there's stuff going on in Colorado right now. I just talked about that recently. Uh, there's other areas in the Midwest where this, where, where things like this are, are, are happening. So uh, I think, and right now, Australia, there was another case I just talked about. There was uh, a couple in Australia, tw 20 cattle since 2018 that they, that they came up mutilated. I mean, wow. I mean, I like to know was, I mean, the, the story that uh, was in the newspaper regarding uh, or online with regard to your location, it, it didn't say, I mean, it said that there was no blood. I'm, I'm just wondering, was the blood drained? That's one of the uh, uh, earmarks of these uh, cases usually. A lot of times the blood is completely drained from these animals. It didn't say that specifically. Yeah, you know, the blood was drained. Uh, it's all, all the usual stuff. You know, one flap of the, the cheek was uh, removed. Okay. Uh, the, 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 you know, I, I hate to get too graphic, but the you know, anus was cored out and right. the genitalia. I think that the anus was only cored out of two of them. Two of them, yeah. Um, and uh, which is interesting that there is some they core and some they don't. Uh, I don't. They only needed two anuses. That I mean, I I, I don't. I <laughs> you, you, you know uh, why do they do this? Why do they take the blood? Do they need something in the enzymes or the bacteria or? Are they monitoring something? Uh, that's because that's one theory is that they're 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 using these cattle and these animals because it's not always just cattle. There's other animals to get you know, right. Uh, but are they using them? You know to see if there's pollutants in the ground and that we're if if we're absorbing nutrients or uh, new uh, pollutants and seeing how much how many pollutants we're absorbing by how many the cows are. Now, that's one theory. There's a whole bunch of theories. Some say that hybrid children, after they're being taken from the mother's womb at, at three months old, uh, are then put in a cow's womb for a, a while. But that doesn't explain why they take out the rectum or the cheek or the blood. Uh, so, um, and another theory is that uh, because there have been two abductions, and this is just my own theory. Uh, uh, this is, or not even a theory, but an idea. And I don't think it really bears out. But uh, there have been a couple of abductees that have um, seen the gray aliens uh, feeding. And uh, they uh, bathe, they, they absorb nutrition through their skin. They bathe in these vats and they absorb nutrients that way. 
So, you know, when I first came across that, I was like, well, there's a liquid with the nutrients. They're taking blood from cows. Uh, that's got a lot of nutrients, you know, could that be a source of nutrition? But I don't think that bears out because of the vast numbers of UFO encounters. I mean, there's, you know, 10,000 or whatever cattle that have been mutilated, but there's so many more, uh, 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 you know, the, the beings have been here for a long time. There's a lot of them. I mean, according to, you know, the Roper poll and the conducted by David Jacobs and uh, 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 Bud Hopkins, and I want to say John Mack was involved in that in the, in the 90s. Uh, according to that Roper poll, uh, the 2% of the world populace is, is an alien abductee. And David Jacobs has since said they had to really get that down to 2%, uh, not to freak people out. 2% is alarming enough, but the real number was like 5%. And so just let's, let's just say that's right. Let's just, let's do a thought experiment. We'll say that's right. 5% of the world populace. That's like hundreds of millions of people. Uh, can you imagine the presence, the ET presence that would require uh, uh, to facilitate that, whatever they're doing? Um, so 10,000 cows is not going to feed, you know, over, over decades is not going to feed the workforce that would, that would require um uh unless they're able to synthesize or take the blood and use it to clone more blood or something like that which is always possible um but I well, your theory is your i mean that that idea that you're talking about i mean that is something that's shared by a lot of people in fact there's this this guy that i that i do talk to he uh, uh he provides information anonymously he was a former He's a retired uh, electronics engineer with this. We did work for the CIA and NASA among the private defense contractors, and uh, he he believes that you know these in, the, a lot of these beings are actually like insects. In fact, you hear about the insectoid insects that seem to be in control of the grays and everything else, and and that they they feed on blood. He's firmly he firmly believes that catamutilation. His belief is is that catamutilation is basically because they need blood they're just like insects just like you know a praying mantis some praying mantises that we know of on earth you know they feed on blood so th that would be the same thing with these beings and that's why that this this is happening and who knows i mean we're only talking you're talking about the cattle but then there's other animals too that we don't even know about i mean the cattle i think we notice because i mean that's the only thing we're 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 we're, we're eating them too i mean we're not watching all the deer and all the other animals in the forest uh, so who knows what, how, how, how much exactly is being mutilated on an annual basis. Good point. And, and like you said, it could be getting mixed with some other kind of things, uh, to make the, the, you know, if that theory is true, that they're absorbing it through their skin, it could be getting mixed with other sorts of liquids or nutrients or something else. And uh, it's all, again, it's all, all we could do is speculate. We have no answers. The people who have the answers is the control group. I mean, I'm sure they don't have all the answers, but they have some answers and they could shed light on some of this. I'm certain. Yeah. And uh, what answers they don't have, if they do have a relationship with the beings, they could just ask, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> they, they have a direct pipeline to at least some of the truth, whatever, uh, whatever amount of truth uh, the beings are willing to impart. Um, you know, again, you can't always trust what the beings say, unfortunately, but, uh, but yeah, uh, so, so we need some, I don't know how it would be possible for the control group to be opened up. Um, I think that amnesty would be a big deal. Um, and, but uh, people like Sean Kirkpatrick 
seem committed to their cause. I mean, he goes out of his way to co-author a paper with Avi Loeb to slow down the investigation of UFOs. Uh, you know, it's not like this is an idle thing. Uh, you know, this, this isn't somebody just doing their shift as a disinfo agent. I mean, they're, 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 they seem to zealously uh, approach their, their jobs. Uh, and the control group, I, I think that whistleblower protection uh, could encourage some people on the very periphery of the control group to come forward. And I think that'd be great. That'd be invaluable to get some gl glimmer of, of, of information behind the veal, veil. But, um, but the people in the control group, I, I think that they are committed to their cause. They, they have something that they believe in. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, you know, is it, for selfish gains? Is it because like in the X-Files, when it's this elite group that they, that they are personally benefiting from this uh, interaction with the phenomenon? Or is it uh, more selfless? Are they doing this to benefit humanity and this relationship they have with the phenomenon or whatever they're doing? If you don't want to go there, if you just want to look at the reverse engineering uh, UFO kind of thing, uh, and that's fine. Uh, whatever they're doing, is it selfless or if it, is it selfish? Uh, whatever it is, they seem to be committed to it. Uh, they seem to zealously approach it. And um, uh, so, you know, maybe um, almost religiously. I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, that, that committed to it. So how can you breach that, that, that level of commitment and secrecy um, and a secrecy enforced by that level of commitment? Uh, and also if they're working with the beings and the beings don't want this out there. And that, that's another interesting wrinkle in this is Haim Ashed, uh, the uh, Brigadier General in Israel, who was uh, one of their higher ups. I forget his exact ranking was uh, their chief security officer for the space ministry or whatever it was. I Correct me, uh, you know, uh, let me know what it really is. But he was one of their head honchos in the Israeli space ministry. And he was saying some really crazy stuff like, uh, you know, there is a galactic federation that is working with humanity and most of the, the world governments or many of them know about it and are working with them. Uh, Trump wanted to reveal this to the people and he was talked out of it. And it's hard to believe that he could be talked out of something, re revealing that something that juicy. But that was the story that Hayim Ashed said. And Hayim Ashed further said that the beings don't think we're ready for disclosure. And we would not be ready for disclosure until we understood the nature of space and spaceships. I thought I knew what space was. I thought I knew what spaceships were. Um, I actually have a video that just came out this morning um, that goes into a possible scenario about what he may have been talking about. And this goes into some a remote viewing session with Dick Algeyer and Das Smith where they interact with a, a, a Nordic being, uh, or Dick does. And uh, also some comments uh, from the lady, what she told Chris Bledsoe. And uh, so and about how the stars may be gateways to beyond this reality. And uh, so that could be what Hyema Shed was referring to. I didn't see your latest video yet. I have to check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, just, it just came out. It just came out. And uh, anyway, so um, so if indeed the control group is working with the beings, uh, the beings are probably running the show. And if they don't think we're ready for disclosure, it's not going to happen. Uh, so I think 
we can't wait on the government to do that. They're clearly not going to do that. I was really hoping they would with, with arrow and everything. Uh, but I think that as much as it galls me to say it, cause I don't like Steven Greer, uh, his, uh, his approach where you engage the phenomenon directly through initiated contact, uh, CE five is the only way forward that I see uh, given the current, the government's current, you know, uh, modus operandi, uh, you know, um, their, 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 their level of, of commitment to disclosure, which is very, very minimal. Uh, so I think that if we want to further our relationship with the phenomenon and learn some of the truths behind the phenomenon, uh, we have to engage it directly and as safely as possible, because I think you can do that and invite dangerous beings in and don't do that. Uh, but as safely as, as you can do it, um, I, I think that that is the way forward is, you know, the, the Protestant model versus the Catholic model. Um, don't, don't wait for the, the central authority to be your, uh, pipeline to the, the, the above, uh, go out and do it yourself. And it, I always have this fantasy of like walking through the woods by myself and coming across a, a crashed saucer with dead alien bodies just laying there. Like, what would I do? How would I handle it? How would I get it out to the world before the secret control group finds out about it and covers it all up? That would be something. But hopefully something like that could happen to somebody, anybody someday, and hopefully they could handle it uh, correctly and get the information to the public. Well, before. there's been a few whistleblowers that have said that um, they have a, uh, the, the control group, whoever it was, uh, had feelers out to all the, like the news agencies, you know, for, for decades. And whenever a reporter would be about to, to, to say something, they would go and talk him out of it. Talk yeah. him out of it. And, uh, and, and so they, they and, and if, even if they didn't kill the story, me, they would cover they would color the story in such a way uh, that it wasn't you know leading people toward disclosure it was you know a debunking of the story wow and uh, so I, I believe that because that that makes total sense I mean of course they of course they, of course they would of course they would do that Okay, now in June, there's going to be, a, a, apparently, I've been hearing this House Oversight Accountability Committee is going to be having a hearing, and part of it, a portion of it, at least, is going to be open to the public. Can we expect anything that could, good to come out of this? I think Tim Burchett might be part of this. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I, 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 I've, after what happened with the Senate Committee hearing, I don't have much faith in what's going to happen in, in, from here on out. Uh, I could be wrong, but I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. I want to be like proven totally wrong. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if Sean Kirkpatrick came out later today with the full, uh, you know, deal. You know, I would love to be proven wrong about him. Um, I, I love Tim Burchett. I, I think that he is our best advocate for disclosure and in, in the government right now, and he has the, been more forthcoming than anybody else. Um, and he's even will, willing to smear people on his own side of the aisle, uh, you know, uh, over this issue. And, you know, people on the same side of the aisle will attack each other, but, you know, over such a fringy topic as UFOs. So I, I think that he is really uh, an interesting figure in all this. And I think that he could be a source for, and he already has been a source of disclosure. I mean, he's, he's flat out said there's ETs and there's a crash retrieval program and et cetera. Um, but if he's like, I, I don't know what this new hearing, if they're really going to talk about UAP, 
I, I hope they do. I, I don't know. If, has that been confirmed? I've, I, I've just been here. I just heard that this morning. Somebody sent it to me in a, in a message online, and I'm not sure. I, I haven't really looked into it yet, but I, and I've heard this before, and I, you know, I, I assume that there's going to be one, but maybe not. I mean, this is they're saying the House Oversight Accountability Committee is going to have something in, in June. Uh, well, it, it definitely seems like the Senate has been compromised. So if we're going to get any, make any progress, it's going to be with the House. Uh, now, if there's interviewing Sean Kirkpatrick again, if they're trying to get their information from him again or, 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 or from Arrow, I don't know if they're going to make any progress. Um, you know, so- I was thinking, well, I thought what was going to happen when I, when I hear about whistleblowers, they passed that new legislation. To, I, I thought we would be start, start seeing whistleblowers showing up in congressional hearings. And, and I, I, where's that? Where, how come that's not happening? Well, and then okay, you hear, so, but we know that's happening. We know people like yeah, behind the scenes, secret behind ones. The scenes. So why, why did they not ask him questions about that? So maybe if they do get Sean Kirkpatrick on the stand again in the house, then Representative Burchett uh, will ask those questions. I mean, why can't Robert Solis come? At, why can't we hear something publicly from him in a congressional hearing? Or like have a, have a, some, not just him, but a, uh, several other people that have been, uh, uh, you know, have been talking about different incidents that they that they're aware of. Why not uh, Eric Davis uh, have him there, sitting there in a public forum to talk about this? I think these secret meetings is. I don't think. I think it's bogus. I think it's. We should be hearing these things publicly because it seems like they go into these secret uh, closed hearings and then they just die there. And then we never really hear much about it. You hear, you hear rumors. Oh, yeah, Eric Davis met with this, met with uh, some people from Arrow or or or, or uh, uh, Robert Solis is talking to somebody from Arrow on the phone. But then that's then you hear Sonker Patrick step up to the mic and say, yeah, we have no evidence whatsoever. So. Right, right. And, and then he even seemed to resent the people they were sending to him. Uh, he says, uh, in the future, when you send people to me to give testimony, uh, you need to prioritize the people that you send me. Uh, you're <laughs> wasting my time. Uh, you know, uh, so, yeah. I wonder if he means solace when he says that. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> is, 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 are UFOs shutting off nuclear reactors wasting your time, Sean Kirkpatrick? I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Your time is that valuable. He's, he's got very very valuable time. Well, that's what I mean. Like he, he you you see this where Solace's story, of course, as we all know for a long time, a, a flying saucer shows up, ha- hovers over the, the over the silo, shuts all the missiles down, and uh, so so that's the, so you're gonna say, and then he's gonna Kirkpatrick's gonna stand up there and say we have no no evidence whatsoever. There's nothing that points to the direction of potential extraterrestrials, basically. Well, what? What? How, well, you're saying that that Russia and China was doing that back in '67? That's absurd. Right. <laughs> or '45 for that. Or matter. '45, or even now for that matter. I mean, yeah, a flying yeah. saucer that makes no sound and then takes off at an incredible speed. <laughs> it was I all mean, the Chinese have... all along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like it, we, we, it's like the the. the it's like in front of our faces and I, I'm very frustrated. I'm frustrated that we're, I, I was really hoping I did two years ago when I started doing the podcast, I was really hoping I had hope upon hope that we were finally going to get to the bottom of this, but it doesn't seem like it. It seems like we're going backward again. Uh, and they're, they're, they're well, not okay, so, so there, is, there is a little hope. You know, I said earlier that the only way forward is for us to engage the phenomenon ourselves. And I still believe that's probably ultimately going to be true, but um, there are people like Ross Coulthard uh, coming out saying there are contingency plans in case Sean Kirkpatrick, uh, you know, failed to deliver the goods. And he did. 
so he said that there are supposed to be backup plans within backup plans. And they could have just said that to kind of threaten Kirkpatrick into, you know, poning up. Uh, but I, I do believe there probably are some backup plans and that they are now going to be engaged. Uh, so we'll see the width and breadth of those backup plans. And, um, you know, fingers crossed we get some, you know, some action yeah, that way. I believe in the, these guys in the back. I believe in the Lou Elizondos of the world. I believe in the uh, uh, Christopher Mellons of the world. I believe in these people. They, they, they're very – they want to see disclosure. There's no question in my mind. Jeremy Corbell, he's been obviously digging up a lot of good stuff. I, be, I think I want to see them uh, get this information out. They want to get it out. They, 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 they seem like they're completely devoted to it, and I, and I, and I want to see it, and they're, they're very enthusiastic about it. But at the same time, it, it, it doesn't matter how enthusiastic you are or how many, how many uh, uh, you know, contacts you might have in the Pentagon uh, that might be this, feel the same way. I think the power behind the, the power to keep this shut from the public is just it's stronger than we could possibly realize, I think. And that's my concern. Unless there's something that they can do outside of this, these hearings, I think that might we might have to rely on something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I, I think that that's true. Um, you know, the, if the control group is really working with the beings and if that's who's managing the cover up in Congress, you know, I don't know if that's been confirmed, but that would make sense, um, at least for some vestige of the control group or some 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 part of it. Because, um, you know, I would imagine that that level of control would be connected to the, the, the crash retrieval programs that Harry Reid and Tom Wilson were, were being able to, to get. Uh, and I would imagine that that existed, uh, you know, on the outer, outer levels, the outer levels, the outer layers of the onion of the control group. Uh, that's not the deep core of the control group, uh, but it's still an important part in, 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 in managing government and Congress and everything. That's an important part of what they're doing. Uh, so, um, but what would it take to pierce that veil of the, the onion? Uh, you know, it would probably take less effort than the deeper levels. Uh, so uh, maybe we can pry, get some sunlight into those crash retrieval programs. Uh, Ross Coulthard has been talking about that a lot um, and, and getting some really interesting information. He, he was able to track one crash retrieval team from the U.S. that went to Australia uh, to, to, to retrieve a crash there. Uh, he was able to track them to Long Beach, California to a, uh, aerospace company. He didn't name the aerospace company. Uh, and, and so he's been getting some interesting behind the scenes information as well. And, uh, although one really interesting part of, of his information, Ross Coulthard is that there was a Australian based crash retrieval team that left Australia to retrieve a crash outside of Australia. So why would why was a U.S. crash retrieval team required to come into Australia to retrieve? I don't I don't quite understand that. But anyway, but so there is some information about crash retrievals that people are getting access to, and if people like Ross Coulthard, who's a fairly mainstream journalist, a well-respected journalist, can get access to this stuff, uh, maybe there's hope that you know Congress can also get access to it. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, yeah. 
Uh, you know, I think what would I'd like to see more than anything would be like uh, the leak to end all leaks. I mean, that's what I've been waiting for. I mean, there, there has to be something out there that if it was ever leaked, that it would put an end to it, right? I don't know what it would be. I don't know if it would be a, a book, a, a binder filled with documents or and, and images and pictures, or maybe a, 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 a reel of film that was taken from Roswell, something to that effect to end this whole debate once and for all. I would love to have, the, I want to see the leak of all leaks. That's what, yeah, that's what I keep yeah. waiting for you know now those images that we received in 2017 they were very compelling but we need something more than that we need well, i mean lou, lou has said that they have really compelling video uh in the atip archives that arrow has right now uh that they're sitting on a wealth of really compelling videos doing you know of objects doing fantastic things and uh so where was that the, the only video that was uh, new um uh, that shocker factor showed other than the one that he debunked was the uh the the orb the the, the metal uh, metallic sphere which you know you have to ask would he have released that if jeremy corbell hadn't released the still image of a very similar video uh the mosul orb uh you know a month probably not yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably not right no. yeah yeah he only released that because it was already out there yeah yeah because we're already and then and then and then make a statement that there's no evidence of extraterrestrials and showing that at the same time like oh oh explain that then explain how that orb is flying around then Sean I mean right. could you get you must explain you is there any technology that you're aware of that that could allow something like this yeah yeah uh, I, I wish we could trust the numbers from Sean because uh, he he did provide some numbers like. Uh, the percentages of you know metallic spheres versus saucers and et cetera. And I think that's really interesting. And we can compare that with the, like the, the Canadian survey that was done uh, where they have um, you know pro maybe more reliable information uh, about the the, the, the the statistics on orbs versus saucers versus cubes versus cigar shapes. And so that's really interesting. Uh, unfortunately, we can't trust any of the numbers that Sean Kirkpatrick gave us because he apparently, according to George Knapp, has fudged the numbers before. Mm. Uh, but, but, that, but, but that would have been something really interesting that could have potentially come out of the hearing uh, is, is the, those numbers. I, I, you know, if indeed 51% of all uh, UFO sightings are the metallic spheres, I mean, that's some interesting information. Okay, regarding this year, 2023, I hear there were a lot of people who were very excited in the UFO community early on this year. They thought this was going to be the year the, the, that we're finally going to get disclosure. What do you think is going to Is 2023 the year or no? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to make any predictions on that. I will say there's some interesting stuff. Okay, so uh, John Ramirez, uh, ex-CIA officer John Ramirez, and he has said some kooky stuff, uh, you know. Uh, but he has some really intriguing stuff. Uh, and one thing that he said was that disclosure was going to happen in months, not years. And he said that very recently, like last week. And um, uh, he also, but he said something about how that was, there's going to be some event that happened in 2024, but there was another event, a bigger event that was going to happen in 2027, uh, I think is what he said. And so, uh, which is really interesting because that is what the lady told Chris Bledsoe. She said something was going to happen in 2024 uh, and something major was going to happen. And she gave him, you know, when Aries is rising before whatever it was, uh, some, some star alignment or constantly, you know, whatever. I'm not an astronomy person, uh, but, but some astronomical 
event. And that event is going to be 2027, which is exactly what. So, yeah, so we have two two pieces of evidence saying the same thing, uh, unless John is simply quoting the lady. Uh, so I, I made a video a few months ago about various apocalyptic modalities. And apocalyptic is not just the ending of this world, but, but the beginning of a new world, uh, maybe a transition. So you don't necessarily look at it like a negative thing. Uh, but it's it, so there are a bunch of different apocalyptic modalities from various religions and myths and even science, like uh, the big asteroid that's supposed to pass between the Earth and uh, the moon in the late 2020s, is it? Uh, uh, Wormwood, whatever. Uh, what's what's the, what is? I forget that his real name offhand. Uh, Apophis. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, 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 with that thing. So there's various modalities of this uh, apocalypse or or a, a creation of a new world, and they all seem to occur between 2027 and 2032. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, I, I'm not going to go out and set my watch by, uh, you know, disclosure happening in 2027 or, you know, 2032, but there do seem to be some, some signs pointing to something major happening within that time frame. Within the next 10 years, um, something may, something big may happen. It's going to happen eventually someday, right? I mean, it has to. I mean, this can't be covered up forever. So sooner or later, we're going to be there, but we just don't know when. A lot of people was hoping 2023, but you're suggesting 2027 to 2032? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Again, I'm not, I'm not setting my watch by it. Don't buy any stock based on that uh, or sell all your stock based on that. But but there is there is some evidence pointing to that, so we'll see. I don't know how my nerves are going to hold up having to wait for you know until twenty. I mean, if it's even twenty twenty seven, that's why it's just four years away. I know, yeah. right? I, I, I hope know. I can't deal with it. Months, not years, because <laughs> I I want to get that ball rolling. I want the answers coming, uh, and you know, I think that there's a, a much bigger picture involved in all this because you get into the metaphysical aspect of this you know of uh, 30 percent of all alien abductees are near-death experiencers that's one of my favorite statistics people who have died crossed over to the other side and come back 30 percent of all alien abductees are composed from, from that demographic people see angels aboard ufos and archangels and the dead and everything and you know some of that could be you know screen memories or you know uh, false visuals uh, but that doesn't explain the 30% of near-death experiencers or 30% of alien abductees that are near-death experiencers. And, and a, lo all, a lot of the UFO sightings correspond with poltergeist activity. Uh, there, there's just a, a wealth of uh, the supernatural and the metaphysical overlapping with UFOs, including my own UFO sighting, which was a weird metaphysical kind of thing. Yeah, well, let's, um, let's hear about this. You had a, a UFO sighting of your own. Well, yeah, so... Um, all right, so I did, did, did tell you about the UFO sighting. I'll make it really quick. Uh, I don't want to bore anybody, but uh, I had, um, I, I've gone to a couple of ayahuasca retreats. If you know what ayahuasca is, Do you, uh, are you familiar no. with what ayahuasca is? Well, it's a plant medicine uh, ceremony uh, uh, that is performed by Peruvian shamans from the Shipibo tribe. 
and it's a very powerful plant medicine. Do you know what DMT is? Okay, yes. I, you know what I do? I did see something on what you're talking about now. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, people like Joe Rogan talk about it a lot. Yes. Joe Rogan yeah. has been to a bunch of these ayahuasca retreats. He's a big, big proponent of it. And um, anyway, so I, I went to a couple of uh, ayahuasca retreats, and I had some amazing, uh, powerful experiences, life-changing experiences at these retreats. And on the, the second second one, on the, the final night of the second one, I had, because uh, uh, I, I was an atheist all my life, uh, did not believe in UFOs, didn't believe in any spirituality, uh, until my research into UFOs led me into this metaphysical stuff. I see all, you know, because it comes up again and again and again, I'm like, there's something here. Uh, so uh, I started to investigate that and, and I co-founded a ghost hunting group. And we began ghost hunting and I was doing other research, uh, led me to near death experiences uh, in Reiki. And um, quickly I began having my own experiences. I began having my own metaphysical experiences and I was an atheist. And then here I am having these crazy uh, experiences. And I just, it was really cool. <laughs> it's, and it's ongoing. It's, it's really, really cool. I love it. I just, it's just really, really. Neat. And, um, as part of my journey into all of this was uh, uh, I had been, I had heard about ayahuasca and these retreats and I was invited to go to one. And uh, so I, I, I did, you know, it was very challenging. It's, you know, I was very intimidated by it, uh, but I, I wanted to go. So I did. And I had a profound event happen for me in the first retreat. So I went to a second retreat and uh, the, the, okay. The atheist thing, uh, a lot of the near-death experiences that I had been studying had, they met Jesus, of course, right? You know, you know as you would expect. But what was really interesting is that even non-Christians would meet Jesus. And uh, people in alien abductions occasionally will have Jesus uh, connections. The beings will tell people, like, study the teachings of Jesus. And these are gray aliens telling people to study. And uh, near-death experiences, people will see Jesus hanging out with gray aliens. So it made me wonder if Jesus was real in a way that was not just, you know, a cult leader from a couple thousand years ago, you know, which is, which is what I had imagined, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, was Jesus really Jesus? So I didn't want to look to the Bible. I wanted some independent corroboration of this. Uh, so I found the Dolores Cannon books on Jesus, where if you know who Dolores Cannon is, uh, she uh, is very well known in the UFO community for uh, her uh, hypnotic regressions of many alien abductees. Yes, yeah. uh, like thousands of alien abductees, and uh, she also did that for near-death experiencers. And um, and she, oh, excuse me, she she could do that for past lives. She could she could regress people so they could recall their past lives. Now, I don't like the idea of reincarnation. That just rubs me the wrong way. Uh, but the point is that she was able to regress a few people that knew Jesus in a former life. And so there's a couple of books uh, from uh, these, uh, these people who remember Jesus. And one remembers being Jesus's teacher in the Torah. Uh, and uh, from uh, this, they were the Essenes. If you know who the Essenes are, this nominally Jewish culture that was very near this, this in this place called Qumran, this little settlement called Qumran, very near Jerusalem. Uh, but they had their own beliefs. They 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 believed they were 
founded by the survivors of Atlantis. They had the crystal technology. Uh, they had all this es esoteric practices, uh, you know, hands-on healing, you know, meditation, out-of-body experiences, the, the psychic abilities. They were like learning to meditate when they were three years old. The, the Essenes are the people that wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. I know I'm going on and on about this. No, I'll, try to, I'll try to wrap this up. Uh, so, but G Jesus, according to these books, was brought among the Essenes as a boy, and they were expecting him because their whole culture was revolved around them. At some point, they were going to uh, teach the great teacher. That's what their prophecies all said. When the star for Jesus, the star came, uh, they knew that that was the star and they were going to expect him and they knew who he was and he came among them and they knew who he was. This is the Messiah. This is who, this is the great teacher. We're going to teach him. And he quickly, when he started learning these things, he became the teacher. When he did hands on healing, uh, light would come out of his hands. Uh, you know, uh, so it, it goes on, it goes on. So I'm reading these books and I'm, I'm really, really moved by this portrayal of Jesus and this, this vision of Jesus. And so during an ayahuasca ceremony, I'm, I'm thinking about these books that I've been reading and this vision of Jesus. And I had this profound, uh, it felt very real, uh, moment where, or, you know, a long moment where I'm connecting to Jesus. I have this powerful moment. It felt real. It felt so real. I expected Jesus to just come out <laughs> and, uh, you know, to, to say, Hey, you've done it, Jack. You've cracked the code. Here I am. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, wow, okay. All right. Well, if this is real, give me a sign. You know, after I've sobered up, give me a sign, you know, and because uh, the plant medicine is pretty powerful stuff. Um, a month later, I saw my first UFO and it was a doozy because I may, I may, ha I have to qualify that. I may have seen a UFO previously one time, but it was so fast. It was like that. I, I, okay. I what year was this? What, 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 when you saw the UFO? I just saw my first one a few months ago. This, this happened real recently. Wow. This, this was in November. Wow. Uh, the, the retreat was in October and the UFO sighting was in November. My wife and I were driving back from the Renaissance festival and, uh, um, it was late at night on the way home. And I see a uh, white luminous object go, it, it appears in the sky, uh, and then it goes like that and disappears. So it makes this, this shape. And then I say, oh my God, sweetie, did you see that? She says, no. I said, well, I think I saw a UFO. We need to do some CE5. So I direct my desire for love and fellowship at the stars. Uh, just thinking at first, this was probably just a regular UFO or if it was a UFO and not a shooting star or whatever it was, it didn't look like a shooting star, but you never know. And, um, uh, so, but instantly, uh, just as soon as I think about it, uh, just like five seconds after, or maybe 10 seconds after that first initial line goes uh, a second object, or maybe the first one again, goes like that. So it goes like that. It makes the, the shape of the cross in the sky. It, it, it appears and disappears. Uh, the horizontal line was shorter than the first line, making a perfect Christian cross. Uh, you know, that's that's the shape it made in the, in the sky. was a month after this ayahuasca ceremony where I have this powerful connection to Jesus. I say, give me a sign. A month later, I get a UFO making the shape of the cross in the sky. I go home and I go out in the backyard and I say, uh, did that really happen? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if that really happened give me a sign and the single, uh, luminous 
round thing blinks on into the sky and then slowly off and vanishes. And then I say, okay, did I really see that? Give me a sign. And nothing happened. I was getting, I was getting greedy at that point. <laughs> did, uh, your, did, did your wife see the, the cross? When she, she didn't see anything. And, and I don't think anybody else would have seen it. It was interacting with my consciousness. Um, you know, I think oh, from studying a lot of these UFO encounters, we seem to co-create a lot of them. Uh, they, they are not simply nuts and bolts objects. I don't know what they are, uh, but they, yeah, they, they do seem to be interacting with our consciousness in many cases. So I don't even know if this was a real object or if it was something else or, or if it was a real object, but it was more etheric and less physical. There are some strange cases where you hear uh, and, and where there's several people will see something and they all describe it differently, which is very odd. Uh, it's almost like they these beings have the ability to... Uh, control what individually we see in some yeah, cases. Yeah, because in my MUFON group, you know, we do sky watches and it's, it's a new MUFON group. We've only had two sky watches. But at the last move at the last sky watch, uh people some people were seeing UFOs. I didn't see anything. Uh and I was you know right next to the people that were seeing them. And and they were all seeing the same thing. They were all, oh, did you see it go that way? Oh, yeah, I saw it go that way. Oh, well, look, it went that way. And so they were all seeing the same thing. Uh, and it was it was choosing to interact with them and to reveal itself to them, uh, but not to others. So yeah. about half the people there saw it. Half of them didn't. Yeah, it's all very strange, and we don't have any answers. Uh, all I know, all I could say is this, Jack, is that there is something here. I know this for a fact because I've seen one of these beings up close, and I've seen one of these craft up close on two different occasions, and I've read enough enough stuff to know that there's something going on, and I know that our government's covering it up, uh, and I'm tired of it. I want more answers. I want to see. I want to see pictures of the Roswell crash. I want to see uh, film that they might have taken. I want to see. I want to be told what how many uh, alien creatures do they think are here. That's. I, I want to get to the bottom of it already, and I'm tired of the waiting. And I know that you are too. So preach, brother, preach. <laughs> well, I want to say, uh, Jack, this has been very entertaining, and I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I want to let everyone know to make sure to. Uh, uh, check out Jack Connor on his YouTube channel, Cosmic Road. And I'm going to leave a link for that as well as his uh, Facebook page and Twitter. Check him out on those places too. And is there any other place I should point out? The, uh, no, that's it. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It was, it was a great conversation. And I, I've got to check out more of your videos talking about your own experiences. Yeah, I, there's I, there's been multiple videos where I talk about. I mean, it seems like what happens is like somebody will come on and, like they just start watching me and they'll say, "Hey, you, you and I, I just did some of off. But I, you know, I, I do talk about it a lot. I'll, I'll probably bring it up again. Have you ever had any hypnotic regression, or have you ever been tempted to do that? I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, here's the thing with the hip. I, I'm still on the fence with it. I'm, a, I'm, a, I don't know if I want to relive the, the, the three fingered hand deal from uh, 1977. I'm not sure if I want to go through that again. That was terrifying. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I'm not sure if I want to remember any more of that. I mean, I'm not sure if that's, but I, I don't know. I might change my mind someday. Maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll set it up where I'll have somebody hypnotize me and I'll actually, uh, 
uh, you know, live stream it or, or, or film it and then put it on my podcast <laughs> so everyone could see me you know suffering again like going through the whole whole thing hey again. you know people have very positive experiences i mean there's some scary experiences that people have that people also have wonderful experiences mine was not it wasn't positive it was it was very scary and frightening and i thought it was i thought i was seeing a demon from hell or satan himself that's what i thought yeah. it was and that is scary that is scary yeah yeah <laughs> But anyway, I just want to say thanks a lot, Jack. And uh, again, everyone, make sure uh, I, I highly uh, suggest or er, highly urge you to check out Cosmic Road. That's his, Jack's YouTube channel. It's very entertaining. He has a lot of stuff on there about UFOs, and I like it a lot, and I think you will too. Again, thanks a lot, Jack. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Jim.